you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Good morning, Sozo. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. My name is Mark. I pray you're doing well. Uh, my wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. We're the people that Tyler was just talking about. Um, uh, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for being with us. I uh, want to quickly just uh, pause for a second and thank everybody who served last week and made Easter uh, happen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for serving. It was great. It was a good day to be in the house. Amen? Awesome. Um, we are going to go ahead and jump back in uh, to the Gospel of John. If you're kind of hang around with us for a while. You know, we've, we've been in John for a while. Um, I, I've mentioned this in the past. I want to just reiterate, my goal um, is, is not to try to finish John uh, by the time sabbatical happens. That would be ridiculous. Um, there's no way. Uh, but rather, my, my goal is to try to get us through uh, the chapter that we're in, chapter 17 of the Gospel of John before sabbatical, uh, and, and we'll see if we can pull that off. Um, for those of you unaware, uh, the, the typical kind of regular teaching, regular preaching that happens here, uh, we just study through books of the Bible or large passages of Scripture together. Uh, and we try to help you uh, kind of understand the Word by, by having that time together, but then also encourage you, come on church, to study the Word for yourself. Um, one, of my, one of my mentors used to say that, uh, that hearing the Bible read or hearing the Bible taught is good, but it's sort of like chewing somebody else's bubble gum. Right, the action's the same, but the sensation's totally different. <laughs> and so, so we want to get, we want to help you get into the word yourself. So, as such, our team's put together some resources for you. Uh, first, are these? I think these are super stinking cool. Uh, we came across these years ago, and they're just awesome. Um, these are uh, what they call scripture journals. So, so this is a, a copy of just the Gospel of John, and what you get is you get the scripture on one side and just lined paper on the other. So you can, if you don't like writing in your fancy schmancy Bible, or uh, if you're one of these hip new kids that has one of these computer phones uh, that just reads the Bible on that, you actually have something that you can take notes on, that you can jot down in and write in, and uh, the paper's thick enough that you're not going to rip it up. It's just normal normal kind of book paper. So uh, we have these available for 10 easy payments of 10, 9, no, I'm kidding. They're free. They're right over at the table. Uh, they're our way of enticing you to go meet the wonderful people over at our guest services table. Uh, but we would love to, for you to take one of these, take it, use it. If you'll use it, take it. Um, so those are over there. But also, uh, we've got these. Uh, these are little... Uh, books uh, that we print here in-house that give you uh, some space to take notes during a Sunday morning to make the preacher feel better? Uh, no, to help you kind of study it out. So what we've done is we've uh, given you places to, to take notes around the sermons, but then to take what you've taken notes and actually use those, come on somebody, as, your, uh, as, as aids in your own devotional life as you go throughout the week. So these are also over there. Again, they're free. Uh, we kind of think that Jesus kind of had a bad reaction to people selling stuff in church. Uh, and we like happy feathered hair Jesus more than angry whip Jesus. So uh, we, we don't really sell anything here. So uh, those are available over there for you. We also have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. We've got, the over there. We've got those over there as well. Um, so we're going to be in John uh, this morning. We're going to be looking at that. And uh, we've been in John 17. And, and I've kind of tried to help us frame our minds around John 17. Uh, it, it's, it's Jesus praying to the Father. It's Jesus having a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation with his Father. And the amazing thing to me is we get to eavesdrop in, come on, on a conversation amongst God. That's pretty cool to me. That's pretty amazing to me that we get to, we get to listen in and hear what God says. And here's one of the amazing things about it. Do you realize that when God talks amongst himself, he talks about you? That, that's, that's incredible to me, that God would take time to speak about us, and Jesus prays for us. And, and, and the, the way I've tried to help us kind of understand this, this conversation we're eavesdropping in on is in a sense Jesus is giving a mission update to his father. He's, he's letting Abba know like, what's been going on, what's happened, what he's accomplished. He's coming to the end of his earthly, bodily ministry, 
And he's giving a, a mission up. He's saying, hey, this is what's taking place. This is what's going on. And this is what's happening. And, and I need us to understand something as we, as we kind of walk through this again. I'm going to try to summarize where we've been so that we can get back to this. But to help us understand, when I say Jesus was on a mission, this can kind of confuse some people because I think some of us have been polluted by religion to think Jesus sort of just came down and floated around down here. Right? He, he, just sort of, he just sort of bounced around and floated around in a cloud. I, I've shared this before. I love this. Um, you know, I was a youth pastor. My wife and I served in youth ministry for about uh, 12 years before we, before we got into to pastoral ministry. And uh, Not that youth ministry isn't pastoral ministry. Before we planted the church. Uh, and anyways, we, we, when, when one of my friends who was also a youth pastor found out that we were going to be planting a church, we were going to be senior pastors, he wanted to make sure I didn't get too serious with myself. So he gave me one of my favorite gifts. It's still in my office to this day. It's an action figure of Jesus. As a kid who grew up with G.I. Joe's, this was like the coolest thing ever. And uh, my favorite hilarious thing about, about, well, there's two things I love about it. Uh, first is, how, it, well, that's, oh, both of which are just how ridiculous it is. I mean, Jesus is an action figure. That's absolutely ridiculous. Literally, a couple hundred years ago, you get burned at the stake for having something like that. But now, I prominently display it in my office next to a prayer candle to Jesus. And... Um, <laughs> Equal idolatry, and uh, and and but my, my favorite thing about the iron, oh, the, the irony about this one is Jesus is totally blatantly blonde and white, which uh, is what, what's how we knew. That's how John the Baptist knew who the Messiah was because he was the only blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white Jew that's ever existed. Like that one. Um, and uh, the other thing that I love about it, which just every every time somebody sees it and picks it up, they all laugh at it, is Jesus' legs don't move. Instead, he just has wheels. He just gets to like float everywhere he goes. And sometimes I think we can think that way about Jesus, that he just sort of came down here on some sort of weird divine sightseeing tour, that he just sort of floated around. But rather, we need to understand that Jesus came here with a purpose, on a mission. You see, we've, we've got to grasp this, that, that throughout Scripture, from the very beginning, God has made promises to his people. Namely, God promised to defeat our true enemy, loose our spiritual captivity, and restore our sacred union. To restore our unity that we were, we were called to have with him. So he, he, he defeats our enemy, looses our captivity, and restores our unity. This is what Jesus came and was, was commissioned by the Father to do. This is what he was, he, was, he was called to do. God had promised these things to us from the very genesis, from the very beginning of our fall. From the moment of our rebellion, God promises, by, by, by way of picture, he says that the, the serpent that's caused this fall, it's going to bruise the heel of the sun, but the sun is going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to defeat our true enemy. And then as the reality and the ramifications of our rebellion began to take shape in the world, God continued to meet those issues, those problems with promises that he would be our deliverer. And here's the big idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin the sermon by just telling you the, 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 the end at the beginning. Is that okay? Is it okay if I'm just a bad preacher today? Okay. Here's the big idea. Jesus fulfilled every promise of God. There's nothing left to be won. There's nothing left to be done. Jesus did it all. All of it has been fulfilled. We are not waiting for any promise that God has made to his people to be fulfilled. It's all fulfilled in Jesus. And I want to show us this. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. Here's where we're going to go. We're going to go to John 17. We're not going to read the whole thing because I'll, I'll chase too many rabbits if we do. We're going to start in one, read through eight, then we're going to jump to 14. But before we even get to that, I want to prove to us, I want to get this in our mind, that Jesus fulfills the promises of God. So we're going to look at some scriptures this morning and see how Jesus did that. Then we'll get to John. So 1 John 3, 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's the bad news. Everybody say bad news. But here's the good news. The reason the Son of God, everybody say Jesus. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 1 Timothy 1, 15 says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save, everybody say sozo, to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Mark 10.45 says, for, e for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How many people are excited that Jesus gave his life as a ransom? John 12.46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
and the one that just puts the, the nail in it for me, for all the promises of God. I, 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 this bad preacher joke. I looked up the Greek word for all. Guess what it means? All. It means all. All For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why it is through him that we utter our amen, or our let it be so, or our yes to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. A guarantee of what? That all the promises have been fulfilled. That he's accomplished everything. That they all find their yes in him. Amen? All right, now let's go to John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I'm going to read that verse again. It's going to be important for us. And this, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them your words. I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now let's go ahead and jump down to verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Can we thank God for his word this morning? Come on, let's pray and thank God for his word. Ask him to speak to us through his word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, we rejoice over your word. We don't rejoice over seeing the fulfillment of your word. We rejoice over the hearing of your word. Oh, that we would be a people, God, that rejoice in the hearing as if the fulfillment has already come and manifested in our lives. God, we choose to respond in faith. We choose to live by faith. We choose to hear you, receive the faith that comes from hearing you, and let that faith transform the way we walk and live and respond to the world around us. God, let us hear, let us receive, let it do the work of transforming our innermost being. God, for your glory, for the good of all people, for the transformation of your creation back to all it was intended to be in you and through you and with you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Yeah. Come on, everybody said? Yeah. Go ahead and greet somebody around you real fast before you grab a seat. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> all the introverts love that part. All the extroverts just disobey and sit down and feel personally attacked by all the extroverts that still come up and talk to them. <clears throat> if, you are, if you're taking notes this morning, I want to talk to you under the heading, under the title, under the kind of umbrella of Promise Fulfilled. I want us to see how Jesus is the answer to our deepest need. That Jesus isn't something we sort of add to our life on the side and then move on. Rather, he is the everything for us. He is our all and all. So as we look at this text, as we kind of dive into this portion of it, we saw something very, very simple. Hopefully you picked up on it, right? That Jesus was sent to impart eternal life. Right? He says, like, Father, you, you, you sent me here, and you gave me the responsibility. That is the authority and accountability. That's what responsibility means. Young person, that's what responsibility means. 
doesn't just mean you have the authority to do what you want. It also means you have the accountability to do what you want. Hello, somebody. Okay, so Jesus is given this, this responsibility, this authority to do this. He says, okay, you sent me here to do this. You sent me here to give eternal life. What do we mean by eternal life? I mean, weren't all the people that were around him alive? Now, sometimes this has been projected by the church when we talk about eternal life, like this is, this is life after death. And, and here's, the, here's the good news, bad news. You're going to live forever. Location is maybe a little bit something we need to talk about, but, but the scriptures make it clear that there is an existence beyond this physical existence. Amen? And so what Jesus is speaking of here is not some heavenly blessing. You know, it's not the pie in the sky, I'll fly away, oh glory, when I die, I'll fly away. Okay, what Jesus is speaking of here is something much more, much more rich and full and deep. He says he's come to give us eternal life. Again, this idea of life here is the Greek word zoe. It's not just, it's just, just activity, it's vitality. Right? It's real, true, deep life. And this idea of eternal, what, what the idea here is not just, not just something that doesn't end, but rather something that does not even diminish. So really what Jesus is trying to convey is that he has been sent to offer never-ending, never undiminishing vitality to a people. That's what's being offered by Jesus. How does he do this? By making Abba known. Again, this is, the, this, is the, this is the word, this is the, the name that's been given to the Father by the Spirit in us and that Jesus used throughout his ministry. Abba, it's not just a, a band from the 70s. It's, it's literally the, the Hebrew term for dad. What it's trying to say is that we're not, just, we're not just related to God as Father, but we are to relate to God as Father. So we call him Abba. That makes you uncomfortable. Add it to the list. <laughs> Love you. So Jesus does this by, by, making, by making the Father known. This echoes Jesus' statement in John 10, 10, where he says, I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. This is this eternal, abundant, zoe life that Jesus offers us. And he says that we have this through a knowing, through, an, a, through knowing who God is, through knowing the true God here. This is, this is what it means to have eternal life. So again, the just surface level. I try to teach you guys this. Ask your Bible questions, right? I know, I know. Religion says don't. People tell you religion says don't question everything. Well, I hate religion anyways. So, so religion's bad, and religion's always been bad. Jesus did not come to found a religion. Jesus came to bring us back to God. Okay. So, so, so religion says don't ask questions. Jesus says question everything. Why? Because he is the answer. So, how do you find answers? You ask questions. So, so basic question, what, what does it even mean to know somebody? What, what does it mean to know someone? Jesus says that eternal life is knowing God. What does it even mean to know someone? So I want to I dive into this, and, and here's my hope. My hope is that we can get a few layers deep into this this morning. We'll go as, 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 we'll, we'll go as far as we can this morning together. What does it mean to know somebody? In, in today's world, that has really, can we be honest, that's really gotten muddy. Right? Because, because everybody is pretending to be a celebrity. That's what social media is, by the way. It's everyone pretending like somebody else cares about what you eat. About where you are. Like, like can I just say this? Like, like, why do you care what somebody thinks of a two-dimensional picture of your face? Be around people who like the three-dimensional version of you. I, I think that's better. Um, and I know I'm old and a fuddy daddy. I don't have social media, and so I just I'm out of I'm out of touch, and I just understand I'm totally good with that. I don't need to understand. I don't need I don't need to be in touch, right? Like it's 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 this idea though. We, we we hear this all the time. People say, "Oh yeah, I know that person." I've literally heard people talk about celebrities that they know, and I what do you mean you know them? Well, I I, I follow them on Instagram. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean you know them, right? Like just because you can, just because you, you, you have some sort of idea. So, so I think it's important for us to stop and step back and go, what does it mean to know somebody? Just in general, what does it mean to know somebody? To know someone means that you can identify who they are. This is just first basic level, right? Like in a crowd of people, you can distinguish them from somebody else, right? Like uh, I know them, that, that's, that's them, that's not them. I know that's super binary, but like I, that's who they are, that's not who they are. 
right? I can identify this person. I can know them. I can be aware of their identity. I have a concept of who they are. And here's what I need you to understand, and I don't mean this to be rude, and I don't mean this to be mean, and if it is, again, just go with it for a second. Apart from Jesus, you cannot know God. You may have an idea of him. You may have an imagination of what he's like. You may, you may be able to create a wish list of what you want God to be like. Hello, somebody. This is, this is really what I would like God to be like. And, and unfortunately, sadly, usually what that boils down to is your cosmic butler. Right? I'd really like him to just be like, like a vending machine that I could just pop my little quarter prayer in and just get whatever I want. I'd really like him to just not be around when I don't want him around, but then show up when I screw everything up and fix everything. Don't, don't yell at me when I'm preaching this good. Come on. Right? We can have imaginations about him. We can have ideas about him. Now, 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 now I beat up on that for a second. Here's the reality. You can, you, listen, you can study the Bible all you want and you'll still only have a shadow of who God is. Come on, I picked on the other side of the crowd. Let's pick on this side of the crowd. Do you realize that Hebrews tells us that all of the Old Testament is merely a book of shadows? Have you ever seen, have you ever, have you ever been in a room that's dark but just barely lit enough that you can kind of see shadows? You ever been freaked out by those shadows? But then the light comes on and you see the substance of it. It's like, what, what was I scared of? Right, because, because shadows distort and they elongate. And to claim that you know somebody because you've seen their shadow is ridiculous. So apart from Jesus, come on somebody, we cannot truly know who God is. But praise be to God that Jesus comes and shows us who God is. John 17, 6. So I have manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. I have manifested your name, Jesus says. What the heck does that mean? It literally means he's, he's introduced us to God. Manifest, manifest here is a Greek word, obviously, the, the, the New Testament, in case you weren't aware, New Testament is written in Greek. Phinero is the Greek word here. It means to make visible or to make known. Can I, can I, can I push it a little bit just here, just real fast? There's another, there's another meaning Another definition of what this word means, it means to bring out of shadow. So the Bible tells us that all of the previous revelation of God was all at best, come on, at best, shadows. And what does Jesus come to do? Bring God out of the shadows. To pull our understanding away from just these shadow forms and bring about the substance See, Jesus shows us who God is by showing us what God is like. This is literally what it means to say the name. Now, now here's the problem, right? We're, we're, we're for the most part here, culturally, we're, 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 we're Americans, which means our names don't mean anything. It means our parents liked the way they sounded and thought our newborn face sort of matched that. Maybe you've got like a family name that you were just sort of given a family name and that's why you're named that. But for the most part, in our culture, we just kind of have the freedom to name our kids whatever we want. And this is new, to spell it however you want, which is just great now, by the way. I don't understand this, right? Like there's X's in names that were never there before. That's fun. Uh, double letters, triple letters. Uh, you can also give kids as many names as you want. I got family members that literally gave their kids like five middle names. I was like, why'd you do that? They go, we couldn't decide on one. I was like, I think that's part of the job. Like you pick one. Like, nope, they just have five. Okay, cool. All right, like we're just, we're just going with whatever. It is very, very fascinating to me that in this country that we have laws about all kinds of things that legally you can name your kid whatever you want. That's just crazy to me. But we, 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 just, we just sort of have this freedom and this liberty, right? So we can name our kids. But we need to understand the culture of scripture is very different. Things were named, catch me, catch me, catch me. Things were named what they were. So as you, as you study the scriptures and you look, you'll see them name things because that's what they were. So the name actually reflected what the thing was. They had the name, can I say it this way? The name had integrity. 
right? It, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a manufactured product. You can just sort of slap whatever label you want. You don't know what's in the bottle. No, it had an actual built-in integrity to the name. So the name reflects the character and the nature of something. So Jesus saying that he brings, he manifests, he brings the name of God out of the shadows is to say that he brings the character and the nature and the person of God out of shadow and into substance. He shows us who God is by showing us what God is like. Jesus is this manifestation of who God is. To know God is to know his name, to know his substance. Jesus does this by being the perfect, come on, any amen from some Christians, the perfect representation of who God is. It's exactly what God is like. So to know, God, to know someone, right? To know someone means that you can identify who they are, but it goes deeper than that. It's not just there. There's more to knowledge than just being able to point at somebody and identify them. You can point and identify who Michael Jordan is, but I love you, you don't know him. Right? You might have a favorite celebrity, a favorite musician, a favorite, a favorite actor. I don't know anybody's names anymore because I'm too old to care. But you might have them, fill in the blank, but just because you can name them, come on, doesn't mean you know them. But rather to know someone means you understand their intentions. To be acquainted with their thoughts and their feelings and their desires and their motivations Suddenly now we have, we have a different level of knowing someone. If the name, please hear me, if the name is about being able to identify the outer self, intention is about being able to identify the inner self. I know that person. I know, I, I know, I know what makes them tick. I know, I know kind of what drives them. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus gives us that as well. Jesus does this. He doesn't just tell us God's name and sort of give us the outer self. He gives us the inner self as well. We see this, John 17, 8. We read this, right? For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they've received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and that you have sent me. In 14, it says that I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You see, Jesus here how, how, do you know, how do you know somebody's intentions? Do we just sort of get around each other and it just kind of happens by osmosis? No. God gave us this thing in the front of our face. Husbands, I'm helping you out here. We're use these to talk. No dudes laughed at that entire thing. They're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? We, we, we communicate with each other. We, 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 we communicate through words and our word. So Jesus gives us the words and the word of God. Jesus gives us God's words and word. Why, why, why am I separating these two things? Again, I know this is review for some of you. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. In Greek, there are more ways to communicate word than in English. We just have the, the word word. That's the only word we have for word is word. So the word we use for word is word. Whenever we want to use the word word, we use the word word. But in Greek, they don't have just one word for word. They have multiple words for words. So they have words for words. Word? Rhema and Logos. Rhema are the words. Logos is the word. So, so to start, try to unpack this for us a little bit, the difference is Rhema is proclamation. Logos is principles. Put it another way. Rhema is declaration. Logos is doctrines. Rhema is what Jesus, the message that Jesus shared with us. Logos is the reason why that message exists. Logos is the foundation upon which all rhema comes. The words that you say flow out of the foundational core of who you are. We communicate. When we're communicating who we are, we use words to try to get our word across. Our message, the very core, the very meaning of our message has to be conveyed through the words in a message. So rhema always flows from logos. And Jesus comes and he gives us the words and the word of God so that we can understand, so that we can comprehend. But it gets even better than this because D Jesus does not just give us these things. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is the Logos in human flesh. 
He takes the intentions of God. He takes the principles of God. He takes the doctrines, the foundation of God, and he puts it, wraps it in human flesh, and it lives amongst us so that we can understand and receive and partake of him. We see this quite clearly. John 1, 14. And the word, that's Jesus, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what was the result of this? We have seen his glory. Glory as, the, as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God's logos in human flesh. This is amazing to me. Colossians 1.15 says, He, that is Jesus, is the image, come on, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's, he's the image. The shadow becomes substance, not just because we can see it, not just because we can, we can label it, but rather because we can actually tangibly experience him. Colossians 2.9 goes on to say, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwelled bodily. And this, this, this passage is, is one of my favorites when speaking of Jesus' word nature. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and is the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he has sat down at the right hand of the majestic on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. That's a good place for Christians to worship for a second. That's... See, see, we're not talking about, uh, about, about whip Jesus, about feathered hair Jesus, about action figure Jesus. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the very image and imprint of God. In Jesus, we have all that God would say and reveal about himself to us. We have the name, we have the intentions, we, have, we, we can identify him, we know his intentions, we know these things. He is both the message, come on, and the messenger. Jesus is the fullness of all that we need in God. Can I go a little deeper this morning? Because I have to just ask the question then. I have to just, it, it bothers me to go, okay, okay, that's great, that's good, that's, that's amazing news. If the news stopped there, we could still call it good news. But how many of us want to amen that God is better than even just good? Because my question is, is knowing God really just learning his name and listening to his words? If I'm, if I'm going to be honest, this is kind of what gets sold a lot of the time. Right, like we, we, know, we know God's like real name is Jesus. Like the other people don't know that. Like we know it and they don't know it. So we, we win. We're on the right team. And we have the Bible and they don't have the Bible. So like our team wins and their team loses. Neener, neener, neener. We're better. Is that really what it all boils down to? Like we know his name and we really know like what the real name. So like we know his name and other people think they know his name, but his name's really not his name because his name's his name, but his name's the wrong name because he has just because he's a guy with a name tag on doesn't mean he's the right name. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, right? They call him Jesus, but that's not Jesus. It's this Jesus, it's not that Jesus. So our team wins, their team loses. I listen to sermons, I listen to the Bible, I read the Bible, so that's what I, so I just, I just kind of know what to call him, and I know where to talk to him, and that's, that's it. That's what knowing God is about. Beloved, come on, come on, come on. It is so much more than just that. I'm excited that I get to know who God truly is. That I'm not left in my utter stupidity of what I used to think God was like. I'm so glad that I've been delivered from wondering what he's really all about and, and what drives him and what his thoughts are. There is so much more for us than just that simple, basic place. So let's start, let's start where we are and go back to where we were. We said that Jesus comes to make known to us the word of God. That's a good thing, Amen. But did you know that in Jesus, he doesn't just make the word known. See, we have more than his word. Did you know the Bible says you have his mind? So you're not just aware of his intentions. He shares his intentions with you so that his intentions, oh, come on, become your intentions. 
You're like, that sounds weird and kind of like New Age. No, it sounds like the Bible. 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Come on, somebody. This is amazing. Intellectual divinity is yours. You share in the very mind of God. All right, let's turn the volume down for just a second. Not you, me. Because um, I, I, I need to pause here for a second and really help us be careful with something. You see, see, see Jesus seems to say in John 17, 14, right, that there's this, there's, this, there's this thing here where he says, I, I've given them your words and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am of the world. So there's this thing that happens through the giving and receiving of the word we are transformed into something we once were not. This does not happen. I just need to let you know this. I know, I know somebody told you it did. It doesn't. This does not happen just because you sit down every day and read your Bible for an hour. That's a good thing to do. I love you. If you're doing that, keep doing it. That's great. But I've said this before. I'll say it again. And I get in trouble. And occasionally I get emails from it. And Tyler already gave him my email address. So I don't have to do that again. Um, I would rather the Bible read you than you read the Bible. See, it's not just about like, yeah, I, I did my Bible reading, I, I went through it. But beloved, I'm here to tell you, I, I fell into that trap for years. I was, I was mentored by a guy who said like, listen, you, you read three chapters of the Old Testament every day, you read one chapter of the New Testament every day, or you are not qualified to be a pastor. And I was like, okay, done. He's like, you read the, through the Bible every year, or you shouldn't be doing this. I was like, okay, then I'll do it. And it became a checklist. Come on. It never read me. It never, it never uncovered anything in me, because I was just rushing to get through it. I just had to do this because I didn't want to get fired. I want, I want, what Jesus is talking about here in the word, come on, shifting us and changing us and altering. Where Jesus says the word is like seed and it goes down and it finds soil in our heart. Come on, have you ever, you ever planted seed in just soil? It changes the soil. The so Super obvious, but let's just talk about it for a second, right? Like once you plant something in the dirt, it ceases to be dirt. It becomes a plant. It becomes a garden. It becomes alive. This is what Jesus is saying. As, as we receive his word, something shifts in us. This is what Jesus was talking about when he says, you must be born again. This is the part of the sermon where I have to tell you, listen, if you're here and just kind of hanging out and just sort of like figuring out what church is and maybe you were here for Easter, it's like, we'll show back up there because they had donuts and you're like, where's the donuts, right? Like, and, 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 and you're just here just sort of checking this thing out, trying to figure it all out. Like, I love you. All this stuff that I'm talking about is available to you, but it does not apply to you unless you are born again. And Jesus says this happens, part of the mechanism of this is through receiving, believing his word, something shifts. But now is where I also have to shift it and talk to believers. Your first birth, all of our first birth is utterly insufficient and deficient. Which means, I love you, I love you, I love you. I don't give a rip how you were born. It is irrelevant to who you are in him. Everybody in my family is like this is not an excuse for the son of God. Well, everybody in my family struggles with this. Well, nobody in my family has ever been able to do this. I was just born this way. This is just a struggle I've always had. Beloved, it ought not be so. My people perish for lack of knowledge. We don't realize that we've been given the mind of Christ. We think we still have to live out of our old dead mind. It wasn't good enough before. It's not good enough now. But the good news is you have, come on, the mind of Christ. We have the mind. I'm not making this up. This isn't like just like, I would like to have the mind of Christ. Where do I need to go buy it? This is literally in the context of like people outside of Jesus don't have the spirit, so they're just confused by it, but we're given his mind by means of the spirit. 
So I want to warn us, beloved. I want to warn you to be careful what you say about yourself. Come on, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. What's the result of that? What happens when our minds are renewed, when we, when we begin to access the mind of Christ that is ours? By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I, it wouldn't be a good sermon if I didn't use the passion. I love this. This is fantastic. Dr. Simmons' paraphrase. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Bro, let's just pack up and go home. That was worth showing up to church for. Stop. I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead. Stop. Backwards so I can read it in the mirror. Stop. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. This is not a sales pitch. I know it said that earlier, but it really isn't. Just, just quick question, participation required. How many people would like to live a beautiful life that's satisfying and perfect? Okay. This says the way you get there is quit thinking stupid thoughts. I know that's way too practical for a Sunday morning. You're like, well, I was hoping that there was like a 19-step program that I would suck at and then have an excuse to not do that. No. Stop thinking dumb thoughts. I've said this for years. I will, uh, I will go down saying this. Not all your thoughts are worth thinking. Yeah. Not all my thoughts are worth thinking. Here, here's, here's something. I, I had a conversation with Lord the other day. And I was talking about this sort of in general, talking about just some, some traps that I know people get stuck in in their thoughts and, and traps I get stuck in in my thoughts and things that I begin to believe. And, and I was having a conversation with Abba about this and I said, well, Lord, that's just always what I've thought. And here's what he said to me. Who's dumb enough to believe their own thoughts? It's like, ow, that was really mean. Because the answer was me. Like, I thought it, so that must be true. Like, I know how dumb I am. Like, if I don't put my keys in the same spot every day, they disappear. They fall into the ether, and the only one who can find them is my wife. It's not good for men to be alone. I prove that scripture every day. Okay, like, like, like we have these thoughts, we think these things. Okay, can I push it a little bit? Not all your feelings are worth feeling. Well, that's just how I feel. Okay, stop. Like, that's a dumb way to feel. How's that working? Is, is that leading to a beautiful life that's satisfying and perfect in your eyes? Or is it causing all kinds of discord and, and, and tension and pain and difficulty inside your soul? Just knock it off. Stop being influenced by the ideals and the opinions and the non-ending flood of just worthless information that the world and the culture around you is pushing at you. Just stop. I know that's way too simple. Again, I like, I like complicated because I suck at complicated and then when I can't do it, I'm like, well, it's because it's too complicated. Again, simple doesn't mean easy. It just means I don't have the excuse of like Ikea furniture, right? Yeah. I'm personally convinced that Ikea was invented to test marriages. Because <laughs> if you go there and you make it out without fighting, like you need to teach a marriage class here. And if you can put together a flurgenlurgen together, then you are the embodiment of the gospel. Because they either give you too many or not enough parts, or too many or not enough tools, and, and everything's made out of cardboard. Any, uh, never mind. What were we talking about? Um, Again, I, I, want, I want to just encourage this, man. Like, we have the mind of Christ. We need to begin to learn to access that. Amen, beloved? And can I tell you just, the, I don't have time to teach on all, how to access all of it, but I, I can tell you one thing. If I can tell you one thing to help you, stop listening to other stuff. 
Stop going to places for, 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 for identity, for security, and for ecstasy that aren't him. They're not good enough. You're going to leave wanting. They're going to tell you all sorts of stupid things about yourself. Ridiculous things about who God is. Ridiculous things about the way the world works. Here, ultimately, all religion, and I, I lump in humanistic religions like our current cultural narratives into this as well. So it's a religion. It's telling you to believe in something and have faith in something. All the, they all tell you the same thing. You're not good enough. You need to try harder. They all tell you that. How you are is not good enough. And Jesus comes and says, I made you. And yeah, well, certainly while the world and your experiences and stuff that's happened to you has bruised and battered and dent, and you are, you, you, you are, you are jacked up at this point, but I made you. You belong to me. And he invites us all, come on, to his island of misfit toys. <laughs> so we have the mind of God. Okay, so it's, it's not just that we have his words, we have his mind. Can I push the name thing a little bit here? Jesus says that we are to know God. Everybody say, know God. You shouldn't say no to God. Um, it's a bad preacher joke. Jesus says we are to know God, that, that, that knowing God is eternal life. So what, what is this Greek word here that he uses for no? Again, we've talked about this before. No is the Greek word gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. It sounds like an ice cream treat, doesn't it? Um, Gnosko. Uh, it literally means to know, perceive, or be acquainted with. That's the literal definition of the Greek word gnosko. It's a, it is, a, it is a, the idea of, being, uh, of having an acquaintance, of having a relational knowledge of somebody. But if you hung around the church very long, you may have heard somebody talk about this idea of knowing a little bit differently. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go as, as PG-13 as I can on this. Uh, the word is far more graphic than I'm going to put up here. But for the sake of young ears. Gnosko is also, both in Hebrew and in Greek culture, an idiom for the intimacy of a husband and a wife. Right? We see this. We see this in Scripture, right? Matthew 1.25, speaking of, of uh, Joseph, says, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the idea of an intimacy in knowledge. Can I say it this way? An experiential knowledge, not just an informational knowledge. This intimacy is designed by God. That's something that somebody needs to hear. It's a gift given by God to humanity to reflect the unity that exists within himself and that we are invited into. Genesis 2, 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is echoed again in the New Covenant, New Testament rather. Mark 10, 8, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Hear that right now. Let that ring in your ear. Let that resound in your ear. And now hear this verse again. And that day you will know that I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Hear these words again, John 17, 21 that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So, so, so the news is good. We have more than his words. We have his mind. The news is better than that. We know more than his name. We have his heart. There is a unity, an experiential unity that is offered to us in Jesus when he says we are to know God. This is not just some intellectual building up. This is not just some intellectual uh, you know, you know, exercise where, okay, I, I, I've come to convince myself to think this thing is true. I've been convinced. No, to know him is to experience him. 
God does not desire for you to know him apart from him. He desires you to know him so fully that the only way to describe your knowing is to say you have become one with him. Beloved, this is the gospel. Not just that you don't have to go to hell, not just that you get to go to heaven, not just that you get to be a part of a church, not just, no, 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 that you can be made one with God. That we can know him, that we can fellowship with him, that we can have an intimacy of knowing him the way a husband and a wife can say they know each other. In all the complexities of that, we are to know him and be one with him. This is how knowing God is eternal life, my friend. Because he is eternal life. He is never diminishing vitality. And when we know him and we experience him and we rest in him and we abide in him and we live in him and he lives in us, that vitality, that life mixes and overtakes and overcomes and becomes our own. This is better than pick Jesus and don't go to hell. This truly changes everything. This changes the way I live on Tuesday. This changes the way I interact with people. This changes the way that I, I speak to those around me. This changes the way I raise my kids and love my wife. This changes everything. And, and hear me please, hear me please, if it's not changing you, if this is just something that's just kind of going in a notebook and getting written down and like, that's it. Listen, the, the, that's evidence that we, we might believe it, or let me say it this way, agree with it up here, but it has not yet gotten down here. And I love you enough, and I'm committed enough to this, to keep saturating us in this until it gets down here. It's not enough to just like, okay, yeah, 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 I, I agree with that, move on. Can I tell you, I think part of the reason why we want to move on is because we know, we know, we know that when it moves from here to here, everything shifts. All my excuses are gone. All my reasons for not have just vanished. All my, all my tools for self-defense are done away with. All my ability to try to strive and earn and boast about what I can do just melts away. And so frankly, I avoid it. I step into it long enough to go, yeah, 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 I get that. Let's move on. Can I just be blunt with you? If you really got it, the last thing you would say is let's move on. I have one river of message that I ride in. And the banks of that river are he is good and you are beloved. That's it. That's it. If you've heard that enough, I, I, I'm not supposed to say this. this. I'm not supposed to say this. If you've heard that enough and you want something else, I love you. I would rather you leave happy than stay mad because that's what we're going to talk about. Because we don't yet, we have not yet even found the very first snowflake on the tip of the iceberg of how good he is. And I, I want to explore the whole thing. And I want to let his goodness define who I am as beloved. Let's stand to our feet. I want to do, I want to do two specific things in a response. Let me, real quick, for those visiting with us, those unaware, we, we respond, we believe it's right and good, come on, to respond when we hear God speak, amen? So we respond through celebration, contemplation, and communion every week. Celebration, we sing, we worship, we rejoice, we celebrate God. Amen? It's a good thing to do. Celebration, contemplation, communion. Contemplation, we take time, come on, to saturate in, to think about, to rest in, to let God do a work in what he has spoken to us. And communion, we, we partake in communion here at the table, peace, where, we, where we partake in the, the body, the blood, the, the, the bread, and the cup. These tables are open to all who put their faith in Jesus. You don't have to be a member here. We, we practice what is church culture known as open communion. So if you have repented and believed the gospel, if you are a child of God, regardless of your background, regardless of your denomination, regardless of your doctrine, we would invite you to come and, and, and take communion with us. We take by antiquation, taking a piece of bread or we have gluten-free wafers on the white tables, dipping it in the juice and partaking. If you're not a believer yet, you don't need to come up here and pretend like you're a Christian and take communion. You can just hang out in your seat. No one's going to judge you. 
The other way we communicate one with another, we have a team that's going to be over here at this cross behind uh, this group over here, and they would love to stand with you and commune with you and commune with you as we, we all commune with God, and they would love to pray for you. If you have a need in your life, something's going on, they'd love to stand and pray with you, whatever it might be. That being said, I want to I do, we're going to do three specific things. One, I, I, need, I, need, I need to know how you guys feel about this, genuinely. Uh, we're going to baptize some people today. Uh, one of the most significant, biblical, historically Christian pictures we have of our unity with God. Baptism. We are united with him in his death so that we can be united with him in his resurrection. We have some people that have signed up, planned on being baptized today. They're going to get baptized. We, I always throw this out. If you're here and you just want to be baptized, you've, you've never been baptized before, or your first baptism was just a terrible bath, uh, we would love to baptize you. <clears throat> but there's, there's a couple things I, I, I felt like were on my heart. First, first is, is just a simple question. Just a simple question. Do you need never diminishing vitality in your life? I mean that for two groups of people. I mean that for those who, who would be honest and say, You've never, you've never kind of had that in your life before. You've never known that kind of life. You've never known God. You'd be honest with yourself and with the Lord and say, you've never really known him. Maybe you've had an idea of him. Maybe at best you've had that shadow picture. Maybe that's from religion. Maybe that's from your own uh, you, you know, imagination. Maybe it's from the culture around you or people that have told you stuff. I don't know. But you would be honest and say, you've never known God, so you've never had that unending, never diminishing vitality in your life. I'm here to tell you, it is yours in Jesus. And the scriptures say that if we would repent and believe, we would admit and abandon that shadow picture of God that we've had, that shadow picture of what, of what, of what identity and security and felicity mean and where they come from, we'd admit that and abandon it. And then believe simply means to embrace and entrust. If we would embrace and entrust the truth of who Jesus says God is, the Bible says in that moment, you are born again, and the life you are born again to is one of never-ending, undiminishing vitality. So I'm speaking to you. If that's you, I would, I would plead with you this morning to repent and believe the gospel. But I also want to speak to those who would say, no, no, preacher, pastor, I, I, I felt like I've had that in other seasons of my life with the Lord, but if you're going to be honest with yourself, you're sitting there wondering, going like, maybe... Maybe I got like a, 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 def, a deficient version because this life feels like it's diminishing to me. My vitality tank seems to be dropping every day. The life and movement and zoe in my life seems to be draining, not filling up. Can I tell you, it's, the problem is not with the life. The problem is with you partaking of that life. See, this life is not meant to be a meal you eat once a week. It's meant to be the only thing you eat every moment of every day. The problem for many of us as believers is we've been taught that we eat Jesus and we eat other stuff. And you need Jesus and you need other things. And that's why I wanted to start this message with Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of every promise God has made. He's everything that you need. So that call means we don't eat anything else. He's the only meal that we partake in. I'm not suggesting by any means that you be, pretend you're French and only drink wine and eat bread. I just feel like I need to say that for somebody because somebody just got real excited. Um, communion for me from here on out. Um, no, can I tell you that the reason why vitality diminishes in the life of a born-again son of God is not because the life that you're given is insufficient. It's because you believe it's insufficient, so you go eat other things. And those things don't satisfy. And those things do diminish. And those things do break down. And those things do fail. So my call to you, I love you, is the same as my call to those outside. Repent. Believe. Return back to the water. Come on. That quenches our thirst. But I also felt like the Lord spoke to me this morning. And, and I, I just want to be obedient it's what I feel like he put on my heart for us. Specifically around this idea that you have, come on, the mind of Christ. It's yours. You have the mind of Christ. 
So first off, I, I feel like there are some people, I don't know who I'm talking to, I really don't, but you'll know if this is you. You'd be honest and you'd say, you know what, I think I need, can I use this word and offend some people? I need to be mind I need to have my mind washed a little bit. I need some brainwashing. Brainwashing gets a bad rap. I need a, a good brainwash every once in a while. I got some, I just got some gunk in there. Come on. And I need it washed out every once in a while. I live this life and I bump into things and, and, and I, I pick up some stuff that's just absolute ridiculousness and I just need it washed out of my mind. Holy Spirit is here this morning, come on, to renew your mind, to wash your mind, to get rid of some of those thoughts. Some of you are plagued with thoughts. You read something and it's just stuck in there and you can't get it out. Somebody said something to you and you picked it up and you tried to own it as your own and you're struggling to get rid of it now. God wants to wash that this morning. Holy Spirit is here to just wash that away. Just free you from that bondage. The next thing though, as it relates to this, and I hope somebody can hear this, I really feel like Holy Spirit is here this morning to share the thoughts of God with his people. Specifically, specifically, there are people here who are, you're trying to discern what to do. There's career changes, there's business opportunities, you need strategies, you need discernment, you need to figure some stuff out. And I feel like today, Holy Spirit wants you to take some time, come on, and begin to open up and realize, no, no, I have the mind of Christ, he can think his thoughts for me. He wants to share some strategy with some business owners this morning. He wants to share some thoughts with his people this morning. He wants to give you clarity, give you direction, give you some wisdom so you're not wondering, do I go this way or do I go that way? Like Amos says, there will be a hand upon your shoulder, a voice as if from behind saying, this is the way, walk in it. He wants to give you that assurance this morning. Last but absolutely not least, and I say this with, with very real understanding of how debilitating this kind of thing can be for somebody. I really felt like the Lord spoke to me this morning as I was praying for this service, that there are people here struggling with cognitive decline. I'm not just talking about like, you know, you can't find your keys in the morning. I'm talking about debilitating. They're, they're, you're, your mind is beginning to not work and you recognize it. Maybe you're, I love you. Maybe your friends and family recognize it a little more than you do. Maybe they've warned you about, hey, you're, you're starting to not make sense here. You're starting to kind of wander up. You're starting to, starting to not have the clarity that you once had. Here's what I need you to understand. The world tells you, well, that's just a part of getting older. You have, beloved, you have the mind of Christ. I feel like Holy Spirit is here this morning to heal somebody's cognitive abilities, to clean up your mind, to rewire your brain, get you back to where you once were. So, so, so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to move into our response. We're going to baptize people. If you're here and you want to be baptized, if you signed up and you need to get changed and dressed, whatever, I, should, I was supposed to do that earlier. You can go and do that if you need to. Uh, or if you're not and you just want to get baptized, we'll send you home wet. We don't even care. But we're, we're, we're going to move. We're going we're gonna to baptize. We're going to open up communion. We're going to open up the ministry team to pray for people. And here's what I would challenge you. If, if any of those three things about renewing your mind are you, I would really encourage you. Listen, yes, yes and amen. God can meet you where you are. Amen, amen. God can meet you where you are. But something happens. Come on. When we step out in faith and we go to a brother or a sister in the Lord and we say, will you pray for me? That's what that team of people is. They're not superstar magician magic people. They're simply just those who are willing and able to stand and pray with you and bring that need to the Lord. So if you're here and you, you need cognitive repair, I wanna encourage you to go get prayer for. If you're here and you need, you need your mind washed, come on, I wanna encourage you to go let somebody pray for you. If you're here and you need some direction, some clarity, some, 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 some vision, some, some impartation from the Lord, some divine thoughts, I wanna encourage you to go get prayed for. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna respond. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your ever-present goodness in our lives. God, we rejoice over it. We rejoice in it. We celebrate you in it. Jesus, I thank you that you so love us, that you desired and made yourself one of us so that we can be made one with you. Jesus, thank you for coming and making the Father known to us. 
thank you for coming and, and, and helping us identify you, but also know your intentions. But Jesus, thank you for taking it way beyond that and actually making us one with you. Thank you for our new birth and our new mind. Thank you for your healing touch upon our physical minds. Thank you for your presence in our, in our, in our intellectual minds. We speak restoration, washing, and healing over your people's minds today. We declare that we do not have to submit to the mind we were born with. We do not have to give in to the genetic code that dictates our, this, this, this matter between our ears. We have the mind of Christ. We can think your thoughts. You desire to share your thinking with us, to make us a part of your intentions. We receive that today, Lord. God, do your work. Spirit of God, have your way. Rewire minds. Inspire thoughts. Cleanse our intellect. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's respond to the Lord.